Ephesians chapter 6. I will be reading verses 1 through 9. So Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Amen. So last week after the sermon, I became aware that I actually failed English literature. I told you some of the story of Jane Eyre last week, and I mistakenly told you at that time that it was Jane Austen who wrote this novel. She did not. It was actually Charlotte Bronte who wrote uh, Jane Eyre. And since I do not want any of you to get the wrong answer on Jeopardy, whenever you go on the show next, I wanted to correct my mistake this morning. It's easy to forget who wrote which book. It's also easy to fail literature. But I think that there is one subject that is even easier to fail than literature. And what is that subject? It's parenting. I'm reminded of how easy it is to fail at parenting many times when I walk into a grocery store. I am reminded of some of my own parenting failures as I observe children behaving badly in the grocery store. I will listen to a dad or a mom say, Johnny, if you don't stop screaming, we're going to leave the store. Johnny, of course, keeps right on screaming. And so 30 seconds later, mom or dad will say, Johnny, I'm going to count to three. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters. And then finally, when they get really worked up, parents will let Johnny have it. They will say something like this. Johnny, if you don't start behaving, I'm going to get you an ice cream cone right after we leave the store. <laughs> now, when I observe little angels like Johnny, I'm reminded of my own adventures in parenting. I say to myself, been there, done that. I too have failed on occasion at parenting. I'm sure that every parent has felt like a failure at times. As Christian parents, we can especially feel like a failure because we know the heavy responsibility that God has placed upon us to raise our children to be godly children. We know that disciples of Jesus have spirit-filled homes, and we want to have such a home ourselves. I hope to encourage you that having such a spirit-filled home is a possibility for you today. This morning, I would like for us to look together at Ephesians chapter 6 and see what characterizes the spirit-filled home of a disciple of Jesus. First of all, children obey parents in a spirit-filled home. The book of Ephesians tells us what a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, looks like. According to Ephesians 5.18, 
one characteristic of a Christian is that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. All disciples have the Holy Spirit living in them, and they are filled with the Spirit. The Bible teaches that the one God is a trinity who is a family of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Since God is a family, and since God made us as human beings in his image, God has also designed us to live within a family. Over the last eight weeks, we have seen the effects that being filled with the Holy Spirit has on a marriage. Today, we are going to see in Ephesians chapter 6, the effects that being filled with the Holy Spirit has on parents and children. The first instruction that Paul gives to children is found in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is instruction for pre-adult children who are living in the home who are unmarried. Children who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God will obey their parents. What is the motivation for the children to obey? Such obedience is right. It is proper for children to obey their parents. That is pretty simple, isn't it? Children, obey. A simple instruction, a simple thing for them to do. And so as parents, Christian parents, our responsibility is to raise up children who will obey their parents. Now, I realize that some parents are raising children who make everything a battle. And so as a parent, you might ask yourself, do I really need to insist on obedience? Yes, you do, because obedience is right. This obedience is more than just doing what the parent requires. I remember once my mother asked me to do some chores around the house while a very important baseball game was going on on TV. And so I did the chores that my mom asked me to do, but I did them with a scowl on my face. Now, this obedience was not acceptable to my mother. She was not happy with me. Why not? Look at verse 2. Children are to honor your father and your mother. Sullen, angry, or begrudging obedience is not okay, according to the Scripture. Children must obey not only with their actions, but also with the attitudes of their heart. What is the benefit for children who do honor their father and mother, according to the fifth of the Ten Commandments? Verse 3 says, For these children, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Generally speaking, children are blessed both physically and spiritually if they obey their parents. Obedience is good for children. Parents who know that obedience is ultimately for the good of their children will follow the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24. Let's read that verse together out loud. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Several elementary school students were once asked questions about moms. 
And one question was this, of what ingredients are mothers made of? But one student answered this way, God made mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. You see, it's that one dab of mean that insists that children obey. That will do some good for your child. So moms and dads, don't be afraid to be mean. Don't be afraid to have that dab of mean in you that insists that your children obey. An obedient child will not only have a a good relationship ultimately with their parents, but also with their friends, with their teachers, with their neighbors, and with their future employers. This emphasis on obedience is also found in the next section of Ephesians, where Paul writes about masters and slaves. Paul says in verse 5, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. You might ask, why does Paul talk about masters and slaves right after he talks about parents and children? It's because most of the slaves in Paul's day would have lived in the home with the children. And Paul gives to slaves the same instruction that he gave to the children. Obey. Many people today are uncomfortable with the instruction that Paul gives to slaves here. In an age where there is a lot of emphasis on social justice, people ask, well, why didn't Paul just tell the slaves to rise up and rebel against this evil system? Well, for one thing, slavery in Paul's day was different from American slavery that we remember from our history classes. In American slavery, of course, the slaves were kidnapped, and they were forcibly taken from their homes to serve here in this country. Many of the slaves in Paul's day, however, sold themselves into slavery to pay off a debt that they owed. So they were slaves for only a certain period of time. Secondly, Paul's instruction to the slaves was a subtle form of rebellion against the system of slavery. Why would Paul need to tell slaves to obey their earthly masters? Think about it. They were slaves after all. They had no control over their lives. Or did they? In fact, Paul says, slaves could be addressed as people who do have the responsibility to obey. They may not have been equal to their masters in property rights or voting rights or citizenship rights, but they had equal value in the sight of God in terms of their dignity and worth. Slaves could take ethical responsibility for their actions, just as masters could. So can you see here how Paul's teaching was sowing some seeds that would ultimately undermine the whole system of slavery? Because in many ways, slaves were equal to their masters. In any case, both slaves and uh, children were told to obey. They were to obey those in authority over them because that was the right thing to do. 
Well, as we look at a spirit-filled home, we also see in Ephesians 6 that parents are to be treated as if they are Christ in a spirit-filled home. Notice again the command in verse 1 to children. Obey your parents in the Lord. So what does that phrase, in the Lord, mean? It means as to the Lord or as to Christ. Children are to treat their parents as if they were Jesus himself. Just like Christian children obey Jesus, they are also to obey their parents. This does not mean that parents will not make mistakes. No parent that I know of thinks of themselves as God. But verse 1 does mean that God has given to parents their children, and God has given to parents the responsibility to be representatives of Jesus, to help the children to become more like Christ. The same concept is applied to masters in verse 5. How are slaves to obey their masters? With fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Again, masters are to be treated in this day as if they were Jesus Christ himself. So, obviously, there's a major difference between children and slaves. But the fact that both children and slaves are told to obey helps us to see that, in some ways, the teaching to slaves can be applied to children today in some ways to help them to learn how to obey. And so, if you look at verse 6, children should obey their parents doing the will of God from the heart. They should not merely obey with eye service, according to verse 7, when their parents' eyes are on them directly, but they should obey their parents even when the parents aren't looking. And children should obey with a good will, as to the Lord and not as to man, according to verse 7. Why should they obey? Verse 8 says, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord whether he is a slave or free. We obey because we know that God will reward us. God always rewards his children for their obedience. And once again, we see that Paul gives some subversive teaching on the master-slave relationship here in verse 8. On judgment day, will it make any difference to God whether you are a slave or a free person. It will not. God will reward both slaves and masters equally because in the eyes of God, slaves and masters are of equal worth and equal dignity. Children, then treat your parents like Jesus. Obey them, and God will be sure to reward you. If not today, then certainly he will in heaven. Now, if parents are going to be representatives of Jesus to their children, the parents obviously need a strong relationship with Jesus themselves. The assumption that Paul is making in his letter to the Ephesians is that parents will be raising their children in a church context. The letter from Paul that he wrote to the church would have been read in a worship service 
And so husbands and wives were taught how to treat each other in church. And children learned to obey their parents in church. So parents, how important is it to have regular church attendance for your family? Is church more important to you than your children's sports events? Is church more important than a regular cycle of family outings on Sunday mornings? Children need to see that their parents love Jesus and love church above other things. If you have forgotten how great Jesus is and how much Jesus loves you, Perhaps it would be good for you to reflect and meditate again upon what we read in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 through 5. Let's read those verses together out loud again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So church, who is your God? He is your heavenly Father who loves you deeply. He loves you so much that he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. God is not stingy in his blessings, but he has gifted you with every spiritual blessing to enjoy. And the greatest blessing that he has given you is Jesus himself, who died on the cross for your sins so that you could be adopted into God's family. Isn't Jesus great? Isn't he amazing? It's important to to your children to see that they know that you think that Jesus is great because children tend to follow after the model of their parents. Of course, children do not always follow their parents. Some of you parents here today have been perhaps carrying a sense of failure around with you with regard to your children. You brought your children to church when they were younger. You read the Bible with them. You prayed with them. You showed them who Jesus is by your example. But today, your adult children have no interest in Jesus or the Bible or church. That's heartbreaking when you have invested so much in your children and they give all appearance of turning away from Christ and from Christianity. So what do you do now? There's only one piece of advice that I have for you that's found in this picture I brought with me this morning. The advice that I have for every parent here today, pray. Pray with everything you've got for your children. Pray for them. Pray with all of your heart. A pastor named J. Sidlow Baxter once said this, Our loved ones may spurn our appeals. They may reject our message. 
They may oppose our arguments. They may despise our persons. But they are helpless against our prayers. Did you hear that? Your children are helpless when you pray for them. Why are they helpless? Because we are praying to Almighty God, and God can change anything, even a stubborn heart. Yes, your children may go through a season where they wander from God. They may be prodigals for a while. But it does not have to be that way forever. If we pray to God to bring our children back home to Him, Parents, you are representatives of Jesus to your children. And Jesus' main ministry today at this time is to pray for his children. That's what Jesus is doing right now in heaven. He's speaking to his Father for his children. And so you be like Jesus. Pray for your children that they will be disciples of Jesus once again. The final way that we are to live in a spirit-filled home, parents are to care for their families like God the Father cares for His in a spirit-filled home. We have already seen that God is a Father from Ephesians 1 and verse 3. So in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells fathers to parent their children just like God the Father parents his children. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Paul commands fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well, you might ask, well, how might a father provoke his child to anger? Well, through ways like excessively severe discipline, through unreasonably harsh demands, through abuse of the Father's authority, through arbitrary rules, through unfairness in parenting, through hypocrisy, through giving guilt trips to the children constantly, or through gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. God does not treat his children like this, nor should we as fathers or parents treat our children this way. Instead, we are to give our children grace, like God gives grace to his children. A middle school boy was always getting into trouble at school. And so when the parents of this particular boy received a, another phone call from the boy's teacher and principal, they knew what was coming. And so the teacher said, when the parents arrived, thank you for coming. I wanted you to hear what I have to say. Well, the father waited, thinking about what defense he could give for his son this time. But the teacher proceeded to go down a list of ten positive affirmations of this particular boy, ten potential benefits that this boy could bring to the school community. She told positive things about this middle school troublemaker. When she finished the list, the father said, And what else? Tell me about the bad things. But the teacher said, Actually, that's all that I wanted to say. 
So that night when the father got home, he repeated this entire conversation with his son. And that conversation brought about a change within his son. Why the change? Because of grace. Because that child heard the grace of God in those words. A teacher and a young man's father looked past all of the negatives to see the potential in a young man. Fathers are to do something positive. They are to care for their children like God the Father cares for His children. Fathers also do something positive for their children by bringing their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We see that in verse 4. They are to teach their children about Jesus. And they are to correct their children when they disobey. Yes, parents are to bring their children to church so that we here at church can instruct the children in the Lord. But according to Ephesians 6, who has the primary responsibility to teach their children about Jesus? Whose responsibility is that? It's the parents. You are the ones that God has called to teach your children about Christ. Yes, the church is there to help, to supplement what you teach, but it is your responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. Parents who are filled with the Holy Spirit grow children who are also filled with the Spirit. And the children grow in Christ as they are cared for by parents who imitate God the Father. A similar thought is brought out in Paul's teaching to the masters of slaves in verse 9. Masters, stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Masters then are to be like fathers in their use of authority. They are to use their authority like Jesus used his authority for the good of other people. Masters and fathers are not to threaten and be harsh. They are to show grace and mercy, just like God their father and Jesus their brother. And God the Father will reward both masters and fathers who show grace to those who are under their authority. Because I am a pastor, I go to many weddings, and there are a lot of tears that flow at these weddings. One place where the tears flow like a river is at the reception when they have the father of the bride dance with his daughter. One song that gets the tears flowing at a wedding reception is the country song, Butterfly Kisses. It's a song that speaks of the tender love between a father and his daughter. Have any of you heard that song at a wedding before? It's a pretty popular song, right? Bob Carlyle sings the song, and Bob Carlyle was once interviewed, and he said this, I get a lot of mail from young girls who try to get me to marry their moms. That used to be a real chuckle to me because it's so cute. But then I realized that they don't want a romance for their now single mother. They want the father who is in that song. And that just kills me. 
dads and moms, what do children want? They want parents who will care for them like God does. They want people who will care for them like God the Father cares for them. They want parents who cherish them, spend time with them, show grace to them, and prepare them for a good future. Let's be those kinds of parents. Let's care for our children like God the Father cares for us. Now, you might try to have this kind of family life in your own strength, but you can't live this way in your own power. The Holy Spirit, however, lives inside of every Christian, and the Spirit of God will produce certain behavior in his children within a family setting. The Holy Spirit will cause Christian children to obey their parents. The Holy Spirit will make Christian parents representatives of Jesus to their children. And the Holy Spirit will cause parents to care for their children like God the Father cares for us. May the Holy Spirit then fill you so that you can live in such a way with your family. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is in us to enable us and empower us to live a holy life. And so we pray today that you would empower the people of this church to be godly in their homes. We pray for parents to be able to give godly instruction to their children. And we pray for children to obey their parents. Thank you for the strength that you provide. We pray that you would provide that Holy Spirit strength to all of us today. In your great name we pray. Amen.